illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgate. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. Beach, how are you doing? You know, Billy, I'm doing well tonight. Good. So. Yeah, we are recording a little earlier than normal, but it's because we both have busy weeks coming up. Yes. And if we didn't do it tonight, it wasn't going to happen, or it would just be me. And and how and we and we couldn't dare, you know, disappoint our fan. That's true. True. <laughs> Don't want to disappoint the fan. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I was dri- I was driving home tonight, Billy. Do yeah. you ever listen to uh, KXL on the on the drive home? No. In the evening. Oh, okay. So, so during the during the week, you got uh, Clyde Lewis on, you know, who's the conspiracy theorist guy. Oh yeah, that guy's nuts. So, yeah. So, so it's kind of my guilty pleasure when I drive home during the week. I listen to Clyde Lewis and listen to all the people talking about, you know, black helicopters and all sorts of weird things. Mm-hmm. Um, but on Sundays, Sunday nights, KXL has the Jesus Christ show. Oh, I do enjoy the Jesus Christ show. <laughs> so it, when I lived in, well, obviously I'm in Dallas now. In Corvallis, it played on 1340 Sunday mm-hmm. mornings, and it would come on at like seven. And Jess got me onto this. So Jess needs some noise to fall asleep. She can't have it completely quiet. So uh-huh. she always would play the radio, just have the radio playing, talk radio. And me, yeah. I can sleep through anything. And now uh-huh. I'm just so used to it. I've got to turn on some kind of radio. Okay. Anyways, down there we'd always listen to, and it's actually my guilty pleasure. I listen to it every night. Is uh, Coast to Coast with George George Nori. Okay. Oh, that, and that's, that's my guilty the pleasure. Device. That's the alternative. Oh yeah, system. they're they're all because they're talking about ghosts and and aliens and government conspiracies and all that kind. Of, I just I love falling asleep to it because it's just hearing all these crazy people up in the middle of the night. But at thirteen forty would play. Um, coast to coast at night but on sunday mornings they would play the jesus christ show uh-huh. and for people that don't know it's a, a, a there's a guy on there who's playing jesus christ and people call in with their problems and these are people with serious problems so some are serious some are just theology questions exactly but he gives really good advice <laughs> it's it's amazing yeah so and, so i i'm i'm listening to the the one tonight and this gal calls in and she's like, she's really worried about being cremated mm-hmm. if this affects her potential, you know, of going to heaven. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he, he lays it out. He says, you know, in certain, you know, in the Old Testament, there are certain scriptures in the Old Testament that do talk about, about, uh, you know, cremation and the Jews have a, a different, Jewish people have a different 
view on it. But for Christians, it's it's he's like whether you burn yourself or you put yourself in a pine box and you and you you wrote over hundreds of years, the end result's the same. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Yeah. No, and like I said, uh, and I'm like, I'm like, wow, I've never thought about that. I've never, I know you want to be cremated. I'm not really up for cremation, but I don't know why. I mean, it's just a husk. Yeah. I was like that. uh, I was like that uh, Johnny Appleseed uh, cartoon from Disney back in the day. Oh yeah. Where where he ends up falling asleep up against a tree, Mm -hmm. and uh, and passes on, and then he meets the angel, and and he's like, who's that that sleeps in the in the dusk and he's like ah don't worry john that's just your husk yeah so anyway but uh but anyway yeah it was really good he went into the lord's prayer a little bit and Mm -hmm. kind of broke that down tonight so yeah i got a little churching up as my drive home yeah no i like i said i enjoyed that show and and like you said his 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 advice he gives i'm like you know for people who have the real problems yeah i'm like i he you know he's he's yeah (laughs) no they're good they're, they're really good he's got really good advice yeah. And, people, and like I said, people call in to ask theological questions. Some people, like I said, have serious problems. And and he, I just like his demeanor mm-hmm. and his delivery. It's just, it's really good. And even if you're not yeah. super religious, I think it's an interesting show to listen to. Yeah. So. Anyways, but yeah, yeah and, I agree with that. And he's incredibly knowledgeable on his theology. Yeah. And that's what gets me is how quickly he's ready with his answers. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, no, I, I, I did enjoy that show. I have heard it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, when it first came on, I was kind of like, "Well, this is kind of weird. Is this sacrilegious or what is this?" I know because 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 he, uh, he 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 does claim to be Jesus Christ. Well, he says. Well, people say, you know, people call him that, and he says, "Yes, you know, yes, my son," and talks to him, and it's yeah. So for the first time I was listening to him, I was like, "This is kind of weird." But then the more it went on, I liked it. So, yeah. If you need some so churching up in your life. Listen to the Jesus Christ show. I think you can find it on, um, like iHeartRadio, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Where you under, can also find uh, illegal participation. What well, when I listen, he says uh, he says Jesus show. You got to look under Jesus show or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Under a couple of searches. Yeah. But, so. Yep. If you got if you got theology questions or some life life issues, call Jesus Christ. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can send an email to us, HeinrichTailgaterGmail.com. I don't know if you like the you like the, uh, the you know, the but if somebody did have, a, yeah, but you know, if somebody did have a question, you know, it's funny. I have a bunch of people that always ask me mm-hmm. questions. I don't, I don't BS them. Yeah, you know, I, I tell them I, I might not have the right, but I'll tell you exactly what I think. You know, what my answer would be. I, I've done that with people question. too. They'll ask me a question. I'm like, do you want me to tell you what I think you want to hear or what I'm actually thinking? Mm-hmm. I never not, tell people. They're not I the same told, thing. Because if you want me to yeah, tell I you what you want to hear, I probably won't tell I you. I never do. Yeah, you just want to. You just want to hear something. You want to hear yeah, a confirmation you, you, of what you want. No, and I think it's a stupid decision. I'm not going to support you. Exactly. So, <laughs> anyways, um, <laughs> on to show number one fifty-five of this season nine, episode sixteen of season nine, Beach. Episode. Hold, hold on. Repeat that one more time. This episode. is episode sixteen of season nine. Holy. We've done this 16 times so far this year. Correct. Do you start counting in January 1st? No, I start counting uh, when the new season starts in the end of August, first part of September. Okay, okay. So if we roll into January or, or February, possibly. It's still season nine. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Because it goes for it's the like, school year. Okay. Okay, I can appreciate that. All right. Um, all right, Beans, ready to get into some Beaver sports news? Yes. I wish it was a better week to be a Beef, Beach, but... Uh, We'll start out with women's basketball. Well, let's hold on. Let's stop. That train in Kaiser has a freaking banner on it that says "Congratulations Beavers." That's all that matters. This is true. It's a great year to be a Beav. <laughs> this is true. Okay, now, 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 continue. Let's go to girls basketball. What is what is Coach Ruick and the girls? How they do? What what are we doing? Well, Beach on Tuesday evening, the number fifteen Oregon State women's basketball team suffered its first loss of the season. Falling to Utah, 85-79 to at Gill Coliseum. Leo Goodman scored 20 points on 7-for-10 shooting and knocked down 5 of her 7 three-point attempts. She also added 4 assists and 4 steals. Now freshman Sasha Goforth continued the strong start to her Oregon State career, finishing with 16 points and 4 steals, while Taya Corsdale tallied 12 points and 7 rebounds. So they played well but came up short. Came up short, yep. 
Came up short. Utah pretty much led the whole second half. Beavs just couldn't get close. Couldn't get any closer than four. Six or four. All right, Beach. And then just on Sunday, which is today as we're recording at Beach, the number 15 Oregon State women's basketball team fell to number eight Oregon, 79 to 59 at Gill Coliseum. We lost again? Yep, lost to the Ducks. Now, sophomore Taylor Jones went seven for 14 from the floor to finish with 14 points, five rebounds, and two blocks. Fellow post Jelena Metrovic also scored in double figures, finishing with 11 points and four rebounds. Freshman Savannah Samuel tallied 10. Freshman Savannah Samuel tallied 10 points, four rebounds, and three blocks, while fellow freshman Sasha Goforth put in nine points and four assists. Senior Aaliyah Goodman went for seven points and four rebounds. Now, the, tra- the teams traded punches early on, Beach, heading to the first media break with Oregon in front 8-6. to six. The Ducks extended the advantage to 21-11 to 11 at the end of the first quarter. Then, at halftime, Beach, Oregon headed into the break up 45-24. to 24. Oregon held that way throughout the second half, taking the win by 20. Damn it. Now, what, what are, what's Oregon ranked? Uh, they were ranked 8th. And Oregon State? They were ranked 15th, but they're going to fall. They'll fall, oh, because we lost to Utah? Or because we lost to Utah fall? and Oregon. Okay. Yeah. Well, Beach, well, that's disappointing. It, yeah. This week they travel to Washington for Pac-12 play with Washington State on Saturday the 19th and then to Seattle to play the University of Washington on Monday the 21st. Well, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll turn it around. Correct. All right, Beach, on to a little bit of men's basketball. Okay. The Oregon State men's basketball team dropped an overtime matchup to the University of Portland Thursday evening at Gill Coliseum, 87-86. to Ethan Thompson led the Bees with 31 points, while Maurice Kalou put up 18 points on 7-for-12 shooting. Jared Lucas went for 14 points, and Wareth Altiche tallied 9 points and 11 rebounds. Zach Reichel dished out 7 assists. What the hell? Yep. And again, the Beavs led for a good chunk of that game, but then lost it towards the end of the game and then overtime. And Beavs, or the Beavs will be back in action tonight as people are listening to this at Gill Coliseum when it takes on UTSA. You know what UTSA is? Hmm. University of Texas, San Antonio. The Roadrunners. Okay. That game will tip it two. So that tips at two on Wednesday. And then the Beavs will open Pac-12 play at noon on Sunday versus USC. Hmm. So like I said, tough week to be a Beav. Okay. Well, at least at least uh, my whole my my whole existence doesn't uh, rely on that. So that's good. true. I read Pure Orange uh, on uh, Facebook, and there's a lot of people that their whole life re- revolves around a beaver win. Yeah. A beaver win makes my week a little bit better. A beaver loss mm-hmm. makes my weekend eh, a little a little, little pissier, but, you know, I get up and go to work on Monday and back <laughs> to work. I say, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. So, fumble on the last play of the game. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. Uh, kind of sucks. So, yeah, it kind of blows dogs for quarters. But uh, anyway, it, stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Hey, Billy. Yeah, Beach. What? Hold on. Hold on. Just a sec. Yeah. You know, someday I'm going to have to get this done in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> Heading into Billy. the late 90s. This just in. No contact sex taking off in Eugene. Saturday evening, the U of O football took to social media promoting the new type of intimacy. Tyler Shook, quarterback for the Ducks, was the first to tweet, stating, the bitches didn't show and we still got fucked. (laughs) Three members of the Ducks' offensive line replied to the tweet, saying, saying, Feels like we just took it in the virtual. Feels like we just took it in a virtual doggy style. <laughs> Henry Ca- Henry Cattleman, the Ducks kicker, chimed in with, "They didn't even use loop." The the U of O LBGTQ plus community 
made a statement on behalf of the student-athletes, stating that the university supports all students in their sexual discovery, virtual or otherwise, with, uh, with the consenting partner or partners of their preference. <laughs> this has been your Heinrich Tailgater update from wow. Eugene. Wow. So, so Billy, <laughs> yes, do you know Pete. much about what's going on with their, 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 uh, their, um, getting screwed without even, uh, without even, uh, taking the field pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much what happened, Beach. But with that, I think this leads us into going under further review for week number six in the Pac-12. After further review, the runner did cross the line. And Okay. You ready? What's the first game? What's right, the first game up? Well, first of all, let's see what we were looking at from last week. All right. So after last week, it looks like Kyle was in the lead with 15 out of 23. You and I were tied with 13 out of 23. You had a really good week last week. Caught you back up some. Yeah. All right. So. Um, the first game was actually on Friday, December 10th, Beach. We had Arizona State at Arizona. Uh, what they took. Uh, Beach took ASU, uh, ASU on that one. Oh, three of us did, Beach. Mm. And in the game, Beach, Arizona like State. I, do, do you appreciate it when I talk about myself in the third person? Yeah, it's kind of gross. <laughs> Arizona State scored on the opening kickoff and had a 14-point lead in the opening minute. Turnovers came by the bunches, and so did the touchdowns. By the time they were done, the Sun Devils had scored the most points in Territorial Cup history and ended up costing their rival coaches, head, the rival's head coach his job. Now, oh, yeah. DJ Taylor returned the opening kickoff 100 yards for a touchdown, and Arizona <laughs> State scored twice in the opening 56 seconds to route rival Arizona 70-7 to Friday night. Arizona State made a mockery of the annual Territorial Cup game from the opening kickoff capitalizing on a string of Arizona turnovers to build a 35 to nothing lead by early in the second quarter. Freshman wow. DeMonte Trayenum converted an Arizona fumble on its first drive into a four-yard TD run 43 seconds after Taylor's TD run, and the Sun Devils piled on one score after another. Now, Richard White ran for 133 yards and three touchdowns. Jaden Daniels accounted for three scorers, and Arizona State won its fourth straight in the series for the first time since 1975 to 78. It was also the Sun Devils' first win since the 2019 Sun Bowl. So they hadn't won a game since December 31st of last year. Really? Well, because they hadn't, they hadn't, they had a couple of their games canceled and they'd lost their first two. Wow. Now the Wildcats had seven turnovers overall and gave up 70 points for the first time since 1949 to lose their record 12th straight game spanning two seasons. And then Beach on Saturday morning, Arizona fired head coach Kevin Sumlin after three seasons. Was it coming anyway? or did, was, I think was, so. Was, they hadn't looked good. They hadn't done anything. They just looked like a mess. Because they weren't, unlike like Oregon State, who's been in every game that we played this year. Yeah. Uh, Arizona. They were just in, I been... think, their first game against USC. They gave USC a run for their money. Mm -hmm. And after that, they've just looked horrible. They've just been manhandled ever since. Yeah. They kind of had USC dead to rights, but then, yeah, everything else has just been bad. Mm. So we all got the win there, Beach. Up next, all the rest of the games were on Saturday, December 12th. First up, Utah at Colorado. Um, we, I believe we all took uh, the Buffalo on this one. Correct. You, me, and Kyle. I hate you, Kyle. Uh, so, Beach, the Utah Utes got up and Adam early, courtesy of a blaring fire alarm at their hotel. From there, they just kept rising to the occasion. So Ty Jordan scored twice, including a game-sealing 66-yard TD burst, and Utah's revamped defense forced three turnovers to help the Utes rally past number 21 Colorado 38-21 on a snowy Saturday to thwart the Buffalo's Pac-12 title hopes. Now, Beach, Utah found their footing on the slippery field in the second half, turning around a 21-10 deficit by scoring 28 unanswered points. Now, about 6.30 a.m. Saturday morning, um, there was a fire alarm, and the mm -hmm. Col Colorado jokingly had their suspicions, right? A strength coach, perhaps, wanting to make sure they were alert, pulled the, pulled the thing. 
Quarterback Jake Bentley had a theory too, one involving receiver Britton Covey as they played in the earliest kickoff um, ever recorded at Folsom Field. They played at 10.05 local time. Wow. Yep. Now this may be a decision the Buffaloes lament. Uh, A fumble on a conservative run play while trying to run out the clock with less than 30 seconds remaining until halftime. The Utes turned Jarek Broussard's miscue into a 42-yard field goal by Jaden Redding as time expired to give their offense a little bit of a confidence boost heading into halftime. Now, Jordan shined in the matchup between the two highly touted tailbacks. The freshman finished with 147 yards rushing. His counterpart, Broussard, for Colorado, started slow but finished with 80 yards, which was well below his 183.3-yard average. The Buffs suffered a huge blow in the first half when they lost linebacker Nate Landman to what could be a season-ending ankle injury. Using a scooter and wearing a leg brace, the emotional leader of the team returned to the sideline later. Hmm. Yep. So none of us got the win on that one, Beach. Up next. Yeah. Up next, we had Washington at Oregon. And uh, I took Washington. Kyle took Oregon, but I didn't make a note on who you took, Billy. I took Oregon. Well, I think with the way this one turned out, I think I should actually get the point for this. Well, technically, it goes through as a no contest. But you're right, because Washington basically screwed Oregon. (laughs) Because in the standings, Washington is... It was was contactless sex right there. Exactly. So Washington, because they didn't play, and they actually didn't play because Washington had to cancel because of COVID training, COVID tracing. Mm -hmm. So Washington basically backs into the Pac-12 championship game. If Oregon had beat Washington, Oregon would have gone to the Pac-12 championship. But because they didn't play, Washington goes. By not playing or by winning, they go. Or mm-hmm. by losing, they don't go. Mm-hmm. So So they won by not playing. Keep testing them. Keep testing them until we get a positive. There we go. Find somebody. <laughs> Find somebody. I think it's funny. Couldn't happen, oh. to, couldn't happen to a better program than Oregon. Absolutely. But anyways. So, yeah, there was your, your Washington screwing Oregon. All right, Beach, so no one, no no points awarded or anything on that one. Next up was Cal at Washington State. Ooh, Cal at Washington State. Um, you took Cal. Correct. And Kyle and I took Wazoo. And who won, Beach? I don't know. I didn't watch the game. Nobody did because it was canceled. Mm, well, that's the reason why I didn't watch the game. Yes, and less than two hours before kickoff, it was canceled. Why? It was like an hour and a half, hour and 20 minutes before kickoff. Because Cal didn't have enough defensive linemen. They were down to two because of COVID testing. But they didn't find out until then? Correct. Why did it take them so long? Well, because they're testing them before they go out and play. Oh, like right before? I always yeah. figured it was the day before. Oh, they're testing them constantly. Hmm. Yeah. And well, they and test, they even if they get tested the day before, it's when they're up test where they go like to the back of your throat or up your nose and they, rub they, your brain. Um, I think they do the nose one. It's not that far. I've had to do it twice. They don't. It's not. It's not something you want to do, but it, it's not that big a deal. I've done it twice. I've had to do it to myself. I do it to myself all the time. Yeah. It, well, it's not. That, it's not that big. A deal. Anyways, so That's no no points awarded on there. Up next, Beach. We had the, uh, what do they call this one? This is the battle for the victory bell in in Los Angeles. USC was at UCLA. Mm. Um, you took USC and correct. Kyle and I both took bitch tits. Took UCLA. That is correct. Um, the interesting thing about that game, Beach, which they, uh, one thing when Rick Neuheisel was a coach at UCLA, he brought back the tradition that both teams wear their home colors. Oh, okay. And I just think it's kind of cool. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, I always find you, it weird. That f- one time, remember that one time a couple years ago, the Beavers were home and Nike dictated that we wore white? Yeah. That one pissed me off. Yeah. Well, actually, I kind of like that. If you watch like most basketball games, what color do does the t- home team wear? They usually wear home their white. Home team always wears white on basketball, which I don't understand. Well, because that's your home. So your colors are already there. The opposing team comes in flying their colors. Is that the theory? I kind of like it. 
Well, what's baseball? Baseball where baseball is uh, different though because they play a series usually. So you're playing three games, and usually they have a series of different uniforms. Oh, they just change. They just change up every game. Yeah, because if you look, they'll be like, oh, they have a white, and they have a pinstripe, and they have a black, and they have an orange, and they have this. They'll have like even like Oregon State, they'll have five or six different uniforms. Okay. And they'll they'll switch every game. All right, Beach. So USC quarterback Keaton Slovis completed his third game-winning drive of the season, finding Amon Ross St. Brown for an eight-yard touchdown pass with 16 seconds left to lift the Trojans over UCLA 43-38 on Saturday night after trailing by 18 in the third quarter. Now UCLA took a 38-36 lead with just 52 seconds remaining on Nicholas Barr-Miraz's 43-yard field goal. But USC coach Clay Helton said he wasn't phased considering what he saw his team do early in the season. Now, USC return man Gary Bryant returned the kickoff 63 yards to the Bruins' 43. And Slovis connected with Tyler Vons on a 35-yard reception despite great coverage by UCLA's Mo Osling III. St. Brown then caught his second TD of the game on the next play. Now, the Trojans clinched the Pac-12 South title earlier in the day when Utah beat Colorado. Now, the victory over UCLA completes a trifecta of comebacks for the Trojans, who, who end up 5-0. Uh, and oh. They trailed by 13 in the November 7th opener to Arizona State before Slovis threw two TD passes in the final three minutes for a 28-27 victory. USC then won 34-30 the following week at Arizona on Vivi Malapiai's TD run with 25 seconds to play. USC tra- trailed 28-10 early in the third quarter before scoring touchdowns on five of its second-half drives against UCLA. USC was still down 35-23 to at the start of the fourth quarter before Malapai's 10-yard run and London scored a second TD on a 9-yard reception. USC went for two after the London score but couldn't convert. Now USC was able to rally to US... USC was able to rally due to UCLA mistakes. The Bruins twice turned it over on downs, fumbled on a fake punt, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson was picked off. Chip Kelly tends to go for it a lot on fourth down. He does. And running a fake punt sounds like a Chip Kelly thing. Mm-hmm. So I picked up the win there. You two did not. All right. Last beach is the last game of the week. Stanford at Oregon State. And we all took the beats on this because we're homers. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> well, beach Stanford quarterback Davis Mills passed for 292 yards and a touchdown and ran for two scores to lead Stanford to a 27-24 victory over Oregon State on Saturday night. Mills completed 21 of 29 passes and did not commit a turnover, although he did fumble twice, but each time Stanford was able to fall on it. Now, Austin Jones added 126 yards rushing for the Cardinal, who have been on the road for three weeks in a row, and they will be on the road again this week. Now, Jet Toner's 39-yard field goal with 148 remaining broke a 24-24 tie, and the Cardinal defense forced a turnover to seal the victory. Now, the Beavs were in position to tie or win the game on their final possession, but quarterback Chance Nolan fumbled after an 11-yard run, and Stanford inside linebacker Curtis Robinson recovered at the Cardinal's 16-yard line with 23 seconds remaining. Inside linebacker Game Reed had forced the fumble. Now, the play was reviewed and confirmed. Now, despite the game-deciding turnover, Nolan performed well in his second career start in place of the injured starter Tristan Jebbia who had season-ending surgery on his hamstring last week. Now, Nolan completed 17 of 30 passes for 221 yards and three touchdowns, and he also ran for 50 yards. Now, Oregon State drove to the Stanford three-yard line on their ensuing possession, and the offense remained on the field on fourth and two, but following a delay of game penalty on the Bees, Everett Hayes was forced to kick a 26-yard field goal to tie the game at the 7-18 mark. Now, the Bees received a boost from wide receiver Trayson Harrison, who was eligible to play for the first time Saturday and responded with five catches for 91 yards. Now, Beach, Trayshawn Harrison, I believe, was a transfer from Florida State. Hmm. Yep, Florida State. Cool. Yep. Now, Harrison's 61-yard catch early in the second quarter set up Nolan's eight-yard touchdown pass to Zariah Beeson and a 14-6 lead. Now, Oregon State running back Jamar Jefferson returned after missing last week's game at Utah due to COVID-19. Uh, tracing protocols. Now, the nation's third-leading rusher managed only 80 yards and 18 carries before limping off the field early in the fourth quarter. He came into the Stafford game averaging 168.8 yards per game. So, yeah, he kept getting nicked up in that game. 
he he got hurt. He kind of got nicked up once, came back in, and then really looked like he turned his ankle. But B.J. Baylor did come back, and he wasn't really expected to play. And he looked pretty good when he was carrying the ball. You know, I had to listen to it on the radio, so I didn't get the the. I just got the the description, and I was went on that last drive. I was just thinking, you know, our um, we've had some luck this year, you know, and I was just thinking, by God, this is going to turn out for us. I was hoping. I, w- I was really hoping. I, you know, and the bees played well. They they part of it to me though, Beach, winning is a mentality. Winning is a mentality. Um. As much as I hate their program, the Ducks expect to win. So yeah. if it's a close game, they get the ball in the end, or they have to stop someone. They're expecting to do it every time. Mm-hmm. And that is a mentality that takes a time to breed. And the Beavs need to get that going. Because I really yeah. believe that kind of attitude manifests itself. I would you agree. make better plays. You make better decisions. You expect to win. You do it. Yeah. You expect to you expect to score, you do it. You expect to stop the other team, you do it. And the bees need to get back in that. It's been a while since they've had that kind of mentality. You know, because when you think about it, when we when we uh, went to the Fiesta Bowl, we had that mentality. Oh yeah, there was that swagger. Yeah, people call it Absolutely. that swagger, but that's what it is. It's that confidence. So and you know yeah. and 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 no one made a, a great run on that thing, and people were like, he should have gotten down, he should have done this. Look, you're at the end of the game. You need to fight for every yard you get, right? Mm -hmm. And people are like, he should have gotten down. No, he needs to try and get every freaking yard he can because you're out of timeouts and you need to get as close as you can for a field goal or hopefully score. Yeah. So the other team just made a better play. And regrettably, the ball bounced right into the the other guy's hands as opposed to the two times. And they were trying to strip it too, from what I understand. Yeah, he came out and punched it out. And like I said, it bounced right into the the Stanford players' hands. And if you look at the two times where the Beavs came in, stripped Austin Mills, the the quarterback for Stanford, two times, they just couldn't get on top of it. Both times the running back did. It's it's way football is sometimes. Yeah. So, like I said, they did play well, though. They played really well. They They just need to finish. And that's what it looks like. You know, Washington, they played well. They need to finish. Stanford, they played well. They need to finish. Utah, they played pretty well. They need to finish. The Oregon game, they finished. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got one more game this season. Yeah, so. And part of it, too, is this season's kind of a wash. Just the way everything's going. All right, Beads, let's talk about the pack. Oh, well, let's finish this up here. So after this week, we both we all kind of got hammered this week. Mm-hmm. You won one, Kyle won one, and I won two out of four games. So <laughs> after this week, Kyle, I hate you, Kyle, is in first place with 16 out of 27. I'm in second place with 15 out of 27. So, wow. And you are okay. in fourth pl- or third place with 14 <laughs> out of 27. Yeah, what Fourth sucks place. is you guys were both Fourth sucking, place. especially Kyle, after the regular after the other stuff we were doing, and now he's leading. Mm-hmm. Freaking conspiracy. Anyways, so that's where we're at. One week to go. All right, let's talk about the Pac-12 and the polls. Obviously, we don't know what the new um, championship uh, playoff poll is right now, although I can imagine it probably won't change much, um, only because... Uh, none of those top teams lost. So I would imagine it stays at least the top four, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State. I imagine those four will stay the same. Okay. But for the Pac-12 in the polls, USC in the AP poll checks in at number 13. That's up three spaces. Then you've got Washington in the others receiving votes category. That's it. And then in the USA Today coaches poll, USC moves up two spots to check in at number 13. And then Washington, Colorado, Oregon, and Utah are all in the others receiving votes category. Pretty damn pathetic. Yep. But one thing I did see, Beej, and I don't know if this will mean much to you, but just this week, um, San Jose State checked into number 25 on both the coaches and the AP poll at 6-0. and And you might think, oh, why is that? a big deal as Beaver fans. Well, ex Oregon state wide receiver coach 
Brent Brennan is the head coach at San Jose State. And he's really turned that program around, got him up to 6-0 and this year, and ranked in the top 25. It's fantastic. Yeah. So he was really well-respected. He was the one that was the head coach or was the uh, receiver's coach for Brandon Cooks. Okay. Yep. And and I know the wide receivers really liked him. And he was actually a holdover from Riley's days under Hishu, who shall not be named, uh, Gary Anderson. Okay. And then went off. So to, did when when Anderson and okay. Anderson retained him on his staff when he came in. Okay. Yeah. And then and then, and then he, he got then he got the the chance to move to be the head coach at San Jose State. So he's been down there. And other little piece of trivia, Brent Brennan is the coach of old Suds and Suds bartender, Bill Brennan. Hmm. Yeah. I just good friends with Bill Brennan. I know that's his cousin. It's awesome. So yeah, Bill's a good guy. Bill actually played football for Cal State Fullerton. So anyways. All right, Beach. Uh it's now time to move on to the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Every week, I'd like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan, Beach. And this week, we're going to be giving it to a player. Oh, what player, Billy? What team? Well, Beach, on, on Sunday, Florida coach Dan Mullen said he spoke with Marco Wilson after the Gators' surprising 37-34 loss to LSU and called the quarterback's unsportsmanlike penalty for throwing a shoe, quote, unfortunate. That's right, Beach. Florida quarterback, uh, cornerback Marco Wilson threw an opponent's shoe. So he didn't throw his own shoe, he threw an opponent's shoe? Yep. So, Beach, the Gators stopped LSU on third down late in the fourth quarter with a score tied when Wilson helped tackle Cole Taylor following a six-yard completion that was short of the first down marker with just under two minutes remaining. Now, Taylor's shoe came off in Wilson's hand. Wilson stood up and threw it down the field, immediately drawing multiple flags from the referees, obviously giving LSU an automatic first down. Now, six plays later, Cade York hit the 57-yard game-winning field goal with just 23 seconds remaining. First of all, 57-yard field goal in college. That's a hell of a thing. It was also foggy as heck. Like, you couldn't hardly see anything. It was pretty foggy. But he drilled it. Now, Beach, head coach uh, Mullen said after the game that he didn't know what happened. But after watching the game tape Sunday, he said Wilson, quote, made the tackle and part of the football move, the kid's shoe was in his hand. And he kind of threw it and jumped and celebrated it with his teammates. No, he didn't kind of threw it. He freaking hucked it down the field. Now, yeah. Mullen, Mullen said on the... Uh, I, 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 just, I just think about... Isn't it in Asian countries or something? They throw shoes when they're upset. Uh, Middle East. Middle East. Yeah, Middle yeah. East. Because those are considered dirty because you walk on them. The sole of the shoe is considered dirty. Okay. Yeah, d- uh, someone threw a shoe at President Bush one time. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And Bush was good. Bush ducked. Yeah. <laughs> now, Mullen said uh, on Sunday morning, he said, quote, he's talking about the player. He's disappointed. It's a shame. It's pretty unfortunate in the situation. I don't think there was any intent to taunt. And it wasn't like he was throwing it at their sideline or doing any of that. It was a huge play. He thought possibly a game-winning play. And he kind of threw the shoe and went to celebrate with his teammates. And unfortunately, it was a penalty. So I think that was a mistake instead of somebody really trying to disrespect the game or taunt the opponent. I don't know, Beach. He stood up with the shoe in his hand and just freaking chucked it. And, and like I said, the referees didn't hesitate. It was immediate. Three flags came flying in from different directions. So it wasn't like someone went like, oh, I wonder what happened. He stood up, threw his arm up, and just freaking hucked the shoot. It was just you, stupid. You know, it's 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 funny when I when I watch games, I I'm cognizant of when players score or run out of bounds or whatever when they got the ball, mm-hmm. and if they give it back to the referee, mm-hmm. because to me, there's a level of respect you give the referee the ball. Yeah. After play if it's in your possession you you don't make the referee pick it up or or jump around and i i personally think that has an impact on how they perceive perceive your team for penalties Uh, to a certain extent yeah yeah 
Yeah. And, it, you know, because I just, you know, if it, they're, it, it they're, show... they're suspecting you're going to be an ass, they're quicker to throw the flag. Absolutely. Yeah. And and again, it, it shows your when you when you return that ball to the ref, to me, it also shows your mind is in the game, not in yeah. the moment. Yep. Yep. So. No, I so, agree. Anyway, but yeah, it's that's funny. Yeah, I, and I agree about that, too. I agree about that, too. Cornerback Marco Wilson of the Florida Gators. You get this week's. <laughs> Jackass of the week. You know, Beach, I almost gave it to um, Auburn, University of Auburn. what they do? Well, they fired their head coach, um, Gus Malzahn, today. They ended the season with a 6-4 and four record. Six and four, not too bad, right? And uh-huh. and he's he won a national championship for them a few years ago with Cam Newton, right? Mm-hmm. He he reached that in 2013. He's competed in two others New York New Year's Day six bowl games, so the top bowl games on New Year's Day. He's played in two of those, plus a national championship, so that's three. He's been there since 2013. His overall record is 28 and 34, so not great, but not bad. Yeah. He had just signed a $49 million extension in December of 2017, right? When they'd won 10 games and appeared in the SEC championship game. But they fired him. And guess what? He's owed $21.7 million. 50% of which is due in the first 30 days. Wouldn't you think they would just write him out one more year to get a little bit more value out of that money. I guess I, you know, now I would, I know what people pisses people off because uh, Auburn had gone eight and 17 against Alabama, Georgia and LSU. Right. So that's not great, but there were also only 20 uh, and 24 against teams that entered with a running record. That said, he had beaten Alabama three times, right? In that time, Saban is 65 and six against SC opponents. Three of those losses were two miles on. So I don't know. But part of the funny thing, Beach, is people that are considered candidates for those vacancies. Mm-hmm. Indiana's Tom Allen, who Indiana had a really great year this year. Liberty, who we've talked about. Hugh Freeze, they've had a great year. Old Mrs. Lane Kiffin, interesting. Alabama's, mm-hmm. Alabama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian, mm-hmm. interesting. Clemson mm-hmm. offensive coordinator Tom, Tony Elliott. Defensive coordinator Brent Venables on the same team. And also, Beach, Oregon's Mario Cristobal. Mm. Just interesting. Interesting if he would leave. Uh, how do you think he's being viewed right now with how Oregon did this year? I don't know. I think he's a great recruiter. I don't think he's a great coach. Just don't see it. Mm-hmm. But anyways, we digress there, Beach. So I didn't give them one. It was too easy. And I thought the through showing the shoe throwing was worse than firing a coach that you're gonna have to pay twenty one point seven million dollars to over time that you're gonna owe ten and a half million dollars in thirty mm-hmm. days. Wish I wish I wish more colleges were flush with that kind of cash. <laughs> Alrighty, Beach. it is now time for our musical interlude. And this week was supposed to be your pick, but you were too busy. So we transferred it to me, and you'll pick up next week. Okay. All right, Beach. so this week we're going to slow it down a little bit. We're going to slow it down to a 1973 song written by Don Henley and Glenn Fry, and recorded by their group. The Eagles? The Eagles, that is correct. Now, it was the first single from the band's second album, Desperado. The song peaked at number 64 on the Billboard Hot 100. Now, a cover version of the song was recorded by country music singer Alan Jackson on the 1993 tribute album Common Thread, The Songs of the Eagles. That song peaked at number 64 on the Billboard Hot Country Singles and Tracks chart. Do you know what song we're talking about, Beach? I have no idea. Tequila Sunrise. I don't know if I know this song. Really? Well, Beach, Glenn Fry and Don Henley did not write songs together for their debut album, which was called Eagles. Because the band, if you ever look at it, 
on their title. It's not called the Eagles. It's just Eagles. Like if you look at, like you you would say Van Halen, not the Van Halen, right? Yeah. So if you look at but their, you do say the you do say the Beatles or the, yeah, you but, say but, the Beatles. Yeah, and if you look at their album, it says the Beatles. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Eagles albums, it just says Eagles. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say the Eagles. But anyway, so Glenn Frey and Don Hanley decided they should collaborate after they'd finished writing and recording the debut album in London. So in the first week of their collaboration, they wrote Tequila Sunrise and the song Desperado. Now, according to Fry, the song was finished fairly quickly. He said he was lying on a couch playing the guitar and came up with a guitar riff he described as, quote, kind of Roy Orbison, kind of Mexican. Now, he showed Henley the guitar riff and said, maybe we should write something to this. Now, the title refers to a cocktail named the Tequila Sunrise that was uh, very popular at the time. Now, in the liner notes of 2003's uh, The Very Best Of, Henley said this to say about the song. He said, quote, I believe this was a Glenn title. I think he was ambivalent and about it and... I think he was ambivalent about it because he thought that it was a bit too obvious or too much of a cliche because of the drink that was so popular. Then I said, no, look at it from a different point of view. You've been drinking straight tequila all night and the sun is coming up. It turned out to be a really great song. Now, according to Billboard, the theme of the song is, quote, one man's efforts at survival and having to take a shot of courage. So here is Hmm. the song Tequila Sunrise that obviously Bee just never heard. Another tequila sunrise Staring slowly across the sky Said goodbye He was just a hired hand Working on the dreams he planned to try The days go by Every night when the sun goes down Just another lonely boy in town She's out running round She wasn't just another woman And I couldn't keep from coming on Been so never heard that beach you know i think i might have it's a lot slower yeah, I, yeah. i'm used to my you know you know i'm not a huge eagles fan mm-hmm. uh you know they they've got a you know hotel uh hotel california well no what is yeah um and a couple others but but th- i've never been all that uh, uh i've never been a huge eagles fan yeah, i love the eagles yeah. but, all right beach 
It is now time to look at week number seven in the Pac-12, the final week of the regular season for the Pac-12. And every team has a game scheduled this week. After last week, they went through and rejiggered the schedule. And everyone's got a game. So, Beach, let's look at it here. So, first up, hold on here. I got to move this over so I can read Kyle's email. There we go. Okay. So, the first game, Beach, the Pac 12 championship game, will be on Friday the 18th, and we've got Washington at USC. Washington at USC. So I found a website. Mm-hmm. It has a Magic 8 ball. Oh. So that's going to be how I'm doing it tonight. Okay. Okay. So will Washington beat USC? Asking Spike's 8 ball knows all here. Um, Reply Hazy. Try again. Let's try again. Got to say it again. Yes. Just straight up yes. So you're taking UW? Yep. Okay. Kyle says, USC ends up 6-0 and with a conference title. Rank number 10. Is this the year for conference realignment? A lot of his, a lot of those historic rivalry game streaks are now broken. It's true. Like the whole, yeah. the whole Stanford and Cal thing, playing the, Southern, playing the Southern Cal schools. So we could get back to just two straight and – rotating through the other six, right? A north and a mm-hmm. south and rotate through where we're not – because right now it's all that weird bumpy thing because Cal and Stanford always play USC and UCLA every year. It would be mm-hmm. nice just to get back to everything being even for everybody. Yeah, because, well, that was – it wasn't – well, uh, yeah. That, Cal, and, Cal and Stanford said that they have this – when the Pac-12 realigned – that they have always played, they've got these long streaks that of playing the Southern Cal schools, so they should play there every year and never skip those schools. They didn't want to be in the north, they wanted to be in the middle. Well, yeah. Well, and also, too, it gives them that visibility every season playing in L.A., right? Gotcha. Well, my thing is, Oregon State has longer histories with the Southern California schools more longer histories with those schools than either of the, of the Bay area schools. So mm-hmm. it was kind of crap, but we also got equal revenue sharing. So these can't complain too much. All right. So I think I'm going to take USC. I don't think you, UW's that good. I don't like USC's coaching, but I don't think USC's all that good either. I don't, I think they've got a lot of talent. I don't think their coaching's that good, but I will take their talent over UW's coaching. All right. Up next, Beach. All the rest of the games are on Saturday, December 19th. First up, Arizona at Cal. Okay, asking the Magic 8-Ball, will Arizona beat Cal? God dang it, this little bastard. Concentrate and ask again. This is getting difficult. All right. Will, who is it again? Arizona? Mm-hmm. Beat Cal? Freaking eight. piece of crap. <laughs> damn eight ball. Okay, let's try it one more time. Will, it is certain. So you're taking Arizona? Yeah. I am taking Cal. Kyle says, Arizona got the coach Rona. Cal wins. Wouldn't it be funny if they won? Because <laughs> win it for their fired coach? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. All right, Beach, up next, Washington State at Utah. Will Wazoo beat the Utes? It is decidedly so. Wow. So you're taking Wazoo. I'm taking Utah. Kyle says, Wazoo at Utah, Utes on a roll. So he I mean, is, who am I to deny the Magic 8-Ball? There you go. 
next up, Stanford at UCLA. So Stanford is leaving Oregon State because they were here all week. They were actually staying uh-huh. at the uh, Hilton Garden Inn. They're flying to Santa Barbara and staying there before they play at uh, at uh, the Rose Bowl. They're not going. They're, they're, they're not, not going, going home, home because if they go home, not they've going got. Home. If they go home, they've got to. They've got to uh, quarantine. Okay, thinking and hard on this one. And just so you know, Stanford today just opted out of any bowl games they might be offered. Why? A few teams have. Stanford's opted out. I think Pitt has opted out. Virginia's opted out. Cool kids don't go to bowl games anymore. They just don't. I don't think they want to put their teams through that. Um, you know, they just have opted out. If we get offered a bowl game, we're not going to go. So. Hmm. But well, the, the part of the problem is those those players aren't going to be able to go home and see family or anything mm-hmm. until after their bowl game. Oh. Be, because you can't let them out. And, you know, they've already given – those players have already given up a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. So. Because essentially they've been bubbleized. In some In some schools, yeah. Now, in Oregon State, the players are still out and about, but they're trying to be really careful about what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. I've had some come into Woodstocks and pick up pizzas. And that kind of stuff, but for the most part, they're 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 trying to keep to themselves. Okay. So, Sorry. Okay, so I got to ask, Magic Eight Ball, will Stanford beat Bitch Tits and UCLA? God dang it! Freaking reply hazy all the time. Maybe you need to concentrate more. I am. My sources say no. So you're taking UCLA? Apparently so. All right. Uh, Kyle says Stanford because screw Chip Kelly. I'm going to take Stanford too. My thing with Stanford, if you watched that game last week, Beats, it's amazing, one, how many mistakes they don't commit. Very few penalties. Mm -hmm. And like that last drive when they went down to score and just ate up a huge chunk of time. Very methodical. They don't. Even if they're running a a a a, 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 a like a hurry up offense, they're not panicked. It's very running hurry up offense. Okay, hurry up, get on the ball, get set. Here we go, run the play. Okay, and it's just they're just very. They don't. They're not. They're just very calm, cool, and collected. If that makes sense. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It always impresses me about them, but it's what's going to happen when you got a bunch of smart guys like that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're smart guys that know errors. exactly what they do and they don't make stupid errors. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Beach. Um, so I'm taking Stanford up next, Oregon at Colorado. Will Oregon beat Colorado? Yes, Definitely. All right. Kyle says Colorado beats a broken duck. I, mm. I too, am going to take Oregon. And up last, Beach, Arizona State at Oregon State. That's right. Another 730 kickoff for the Bees. Nothing like a nice game going right in the midnight. Yep. Um, I cannot predict now. So I'm going to have to call this one. Okay. So I'm going to say Oregon State. All right. I, too, am taking Oregon State. Kyle says, Beavs win by a last-minute touchdown because that is how we roll. I'll take it. I'll take any win. And that game will be played at Reeser Stadium. Mm. So five of the seven games the Beavs played will all be played in Corvallis. You got anything else to add tonight, Beach? You know, I don't, Billy. It's, it's getting how many days are we till Christmas now? Well, Let's well, on the day that we're recording, it's the 13th, so we're 12 days away. But on the day this comes out, we are nine days away. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. So, well, I need to get Christmas shopping done. I haven't done crap this year. Yeah. So, it's been a rough, you know, the whole damn, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see 2021. I You're saw saying it's the whole damn year has been pretty damn good, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> it's been terrific. It's been great because the Beavs beat the Ducks in the Civil War. 
Oh, yeah, sorry. The, the, in the, in the, the rivalry, rivalry game, game formerly known as the Civil formerly War. Known as Civil War. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That 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 so, heals a lot of wounds. It it does. Like you know, got COVID. Yeah, but you know, beef's one. Beef's one. Beef's beat the ducks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Arm got amputated. Yeah, but beef's one. Beef's beat the ducks. So. <laughs> My dog died. Yeah, but beef's beat the ducks. Oh, okay. Great year. All right. <laughs> Great equalizer. There we go. Anything else, Beach? I got I got nothing, Billy. Also. I'm anxiously awaiting our update from next week. Yeah, it'll be interesting to so. see. It'll be interesting to see. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 155 of Illegal Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, HeinrichTailgator gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Remember, listen, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Remember, leave a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't have Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review on there. It really helps. Beach. Really? It's been good. I'm glad we got this recorded with both of us. Hey, maybe we'll even get one of our, maybe we'll even get our fan to uh, send us, uh, you know, an advice question. There you go. (laughs) People could send us (laughs) questions for advice. Exactly. Yeah, we're going to get like... We're going to get something probably inappropriate. Hopefully we'll get something inappropriate. That'd be even better. All right. Well, let's uh, this last game of the season for the Beavs. Let's get a hope we get a big win with a great big Go Beavs. pretty good beach we, we right. knocked that out pretty quick good and i'll uh, get this all edited tomorrow and ready to post wednesday morning okay all right talk to you later beach all right have a good night right, you bye. too bye i like beer